You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. How's it going, guys? Good. I'm Zach. I am uh, one of the worship leaders here at New Hope. Uh, thanks for tuning in from home. If you're doing that, thank you for being here in-house as well. Um, guys, it's Christmas. Thanksgiving's over, so it's officially Christmas. That's how it works, right? Um, but for real, though, I mean, this is Advent. This is uh, the time of year when we celebrate the coming of Jesus. Um, it's not that, you know, we're expecting him to, like, be reborn in a manger again or anything like that. He already did that. He did that a long time ago, but we're kind of reminiscing on it. We're kind of thinking back and recognizing the significance of it, what it means, why he came as a baby. Like, it's really easy for us to say, like, oh, yeah, Christmas, that's when, you know, Jesus was born. That's when God became, like, man and everything. And, uh, yeah, that's it, right? It's like, well, yeah, but, like, it, it, it matters why he did it. Why did he do it? And so that's what we're talking about today. Uh, in order to do that, we're going to have to go back to the Old Testament. I know, big shocker. I like to do that. But um, the reason we do that, the reason we have to go back to the Old Testament so often is because we believe that the Bible is one cohesive narrative about Jesus. That's the whole point of the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, it's all pointing to Jesus. And so we're going all the way back to the story of Babel in Genesis 11. It goes like this. It says, at one point in time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Because in this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world. And they stopped building the city. That's why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Okay. The question is, why? Why was God so mad at the people of Babel, right? Like, why was he mad that they're building up this tower and everything? Well, we got to think back to what God originally commissioned Adam and Eve to do. After he made man and woman, after he made Adam and Eve, the very th first thing he said was, be fruitful and multiply. Go make more of you. Go have lots of babies. Go make more people that can reflect my image all across this earth and take this garden of Eden and spread it all across the world. That's what he wanted from Adam and Eve. And what we see right here is another fall. 
Adam and Eve fell. We knew that. But what we see here in Babel is the people just reflecting that same nature. They're going, we don't want to be scattered. We don't want to be spread across the world. We don't want to go reflect the image of God. We want to centralize, and we want to build up, and we want to make a name for ourselves. That's what we want to do. And so they do it, and God comes down and says, no, 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 this isn't going to work. And so he scatters them. He divides the nations. He confuses their languages, and he spreads the people across the earth. But how did he do that? We can go to Deuteronomy 32.8. Now, I missed this verse for like, I don't know, my entire life, but then all of a sudden it pops up when I was reading a book, and I've been studying it for a few years since, and I can't stop because it matters. It says, when the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. That's important. See, some translations actually say, according to the number of the sons of God. See, what we see here is God comes to Babel, and he says, you know what? Fine. You fell. You decided you wanted sin. You wanted to be gods yourself. I got that. You've fallen time and time again, and now you're doing this. Now you're centralizing. Now you're building up a city. You're trying to make a name for yourself, and you don't want to worship me as your God. Fine. You don't have to. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to divide you. I'm going to scatter you. And I'm going to divide you according to the number of my sons. According to what we would probably call angelic beings, right? According to the number of the sons of God. See, what he's doing is he's saying, if I'm not going to govern you, I'm not just going to leave you to your own devices because we've seen what happens when you do that. You just try to be God yourself. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my sons, my heavenly court, to look over you, and they're going to give you some form of governance. And maybe then, maybe through that, you will still get my influence in your lives somehow, right? But it doesn't work. It falls apart. Because we can go straight to Psalm 82, and it reads this. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God. Judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. That's weird, right? Why is God talking to other gods? Well, I promise you when you get down to the basic Hebrew and you really start to look into what the word God, what the word Elohim means, it's not that big of a deal, but we don't have time to hash all that out. Just please for now, take my word for it and go look it up yourselves. You can argue with me later, but it just means spirit beings, sons of God, what we would refer to as angels usually. That's what God's talking to. He's talking to these gods that he gave over to the nations to govern over them. But what we see is they're corrupted. That they got some power, 
right? That, that they got to be in charge of all the nations of the world, but now they themselves want to be God, and they're being worshipped like these so-called gods. And God is angry. God says, you're going to die like mortals for this sin. What does this mean? This means that we knew that man fell, right? That's the story we're all familiar with. Man fell when they sinned in the garden, when they ate the fruit, when they ate the forbidden fruit. We knew that the sons of God, right, that the, angel, the angels, you know, we talk about fallen angels all the time, but we don't really ever talk about, like, what happened there. Well, this seems to be a piece of it, that they wanted to be gods themselves, just like men. Men wanted to be gods. Well, apparently some angels wanted to be gods, too. And it's not working. So earth fell. Heaven's messed up. Heaven's not perfect anymore. It's got these angelic beings that are messed up. Everything's screwed up. What, what's God going to do about this? The problem is he already gave over all the nations. He said, well, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You don't want to worship me, so I'm just going to give you over to these beings. They're going to they're gonna run you now. So what's God going to do? See, right after God divides the nations in Genesis, the very next thing that happens is God goes to a man named Abram, and he says, hey, Abram, we're not going to call you that anymore. We're going to call you Abraham, and you're going to be my guy. You are going to be the father of my nation and one day all the nations are going to be blessed because of you. Through you, I'm going to raise up a mighty group of people. You're going to have so many sons, you're not going to be able to count them. They're going to be like the stars in the sky. And Abraham says, God, I can't even have kids. Me and Sarah, we're too old. She's barren. We can't have sons. And so God turns around and he makes a nation where a nation shouldn't exist. He makes Sarah be pregnant with Abraham's son. He makes a bloodline out of these two people that should never bear children. And he says, if all the other nations want to worship their gods, they want to worship whatever they want, that's fine. But you're going to be my people. And I'm going to raise you up and you're going to represent who I am on this earth. I'm going to be devoted to you. And one day, through you, I'm going to raise up someone that's going to fix all of this. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Psalm 2. It says, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from the slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, and then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem. On my holy mountain, the king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Only ask, and I will give to you the nations as your inheritance. The whole earth is your possession. You will break them with an iron and smash them like clay pots. God had a plan all along. God is going to raise up the person that's going to fix all of this. If we remember back to Genesis, right? 
God says to the serpent, he says, one day the woman is going to bear a son. She's going to bring a son into this world, and he's going to crush your head. You may bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. God promised that one day he was bringing the man that was going to fix all of this. And we see him right here. We see him right here. But who is it? Who is this man? Could it be a human? We've seen humans fall. We've seen mankind fall. That happened in the garden. Man screwed up. Every time we think we've got the right guy, it all falls apart. I don't think it's people. Could it be, could it be an angelic being, a, a son of God, one of the spiritual sons of God? Well, we just saw that they don't work out either. They don't work out as rulers. They don't work out as kings. Could it be David? I mean, this is a psalm of David. This is written to David. But that can't be the answer. It doesn't work. David can't inherit the nations. Nobody, no man, no angel, nobody can inherit the nations. Why do we know that? Why do we know that it can't be a man? Why do we know that it can't be an angel? Who is this? Who's going to inherit the nations? Jump back to Psalm 82. Rise up, O God. Judge the earth. For all the nations are your inheritance. Who is this man? It can't just be any man. It can't just be some angel. This man that's going to rise up, this man that God is going to say, this is your inheritance now. You're my chosen king. I've brought you to fix all of this. It can't just be any man because that man has to be God. The nations always belonged to God. They were always his inheritance. He gave them away for some time. He gave them away to his spiritual sons and said, here, govern over these. But that fell through. They were always his. And so now he's coming back to take it all back for himself. He's coming back to claim all the nations as his own, as his own inheritance. That's what's happening and that's the beauty of Christmas we see this little baby in a manger and we get so sidetracked we're like oh cool yeah Jesus became a baby that's what happened God became a man so anyways did you see Santa at the mall he was pretty cool it's like wait 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 guys we're talking about like Lord of the Rings, like, epic level stuff going on here, and we're stopping at baby Jesus in a manger. Like, understand that when God put on humanity, he didn't just put on humanity, he was going to war. He was putting on his battle fatigues, and he was airdropping behind enemy lines into an enemy-controlled territory to come save a group of people that don't even care about him, that don't even love him, that don't want anything to do with him, but he loved them so much, and he refused to stop and see them governed by false gods that he was going to come down and do the job no man and no angel could ever do. He was coming back. The king was coming back. That's the story of Christmas. 
He was coming back to live a perfect life, to die an innocent man, and to rise from the grave three days later. And when he rose from that grave, he took his crown, and he put it on, and he claimed every nation for himself. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he is sitting there right now. And he says that all who believe in him are sons of God. We can be sons and daughters of God. And all you have to do is want it. That's it. Because that's what this all boils down to. Jesus is the authority above all authorities. He is now the king over this world and every world. All the creations we may or may not know about, he's God over that. He calls the shots here. The question is, do you recognize that? Do you recognize who he is? And do you recognize who you are? Because you have been given a purpose. You have a place in this kingdom. You are a son or a daughter of God. All you have to do is recognize it. What do we do? Once we recognize it, once we say, okay, yeah, yeah, like... I want him, I want to be on God's side. Like, he's the king. Sign me up. What do I do? Psalm 2. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son, or he will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of your activities. For his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. The NIV translation says, kiss the son. Kiss the son. Love him. Recognize him for who he is. He's the king of everything. And just love him because he loves you. To be Jesus in every corner of our culture, hail to the king. That's it. What's it mean to live under the kingship of Jesus Christ? Well, he told us, love other people and love your God. And that's it. Beyond that, he said, now go spread the word. Tell everybody. Tell everybody and let them know who they are. Let them know that they're my sons. They're my daughters. And go baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to live in my kingdom. That's what he's saying. So my question to you is, do you recognize him as king? Because if you do recognize him as king, does your life reflect that you recognize him as king? That's what we have to ask ourselves. He's the king, whether we like it or not. He's the king over all of us. The question is, do you recognize it? And does your life reflect that you recognize it? And you know what? If we got that part down, Rejoice, because you are sheltered by the Son. You are with the Son of God. And the beauty of it is, guys, he already did all the work. He did all the work for you 2,000 years ago. But I want you to just be in awe this Christmas season of what God did for you, of this epic story. It's the truth. It's what happened. And I want you to reflect on that this entire Christmas season. Other than that, let's just let God be the king, right? And so we are in uh, the Advent season.
And I want to go ahead and invite um, our candle lighters up. Is it you guys? Come on up, Mark. So, so I had a really cool joke the first uh, the first uh, sermon, but uh, it's not going to work this time. I'm sorry. Uh, the kings, the kings lit the first candle, and I was like, "Oh, how fitting that the kings of the earth are recognizing the authority of God." But anyways, um, I'll hand it over to you guys. Do you think? Thanks, Zach. So I'm I'm Mark Wardinger, my wife Amy, and um, I've had the opportunity to uh, co-chair council with with Kevin King uh, for the past two years. But it's appropriate that Amy's with me up here because she's supported me so well these last two years, and. Uh, we've walked this path together. Uh, we've learned, um, again, how God is our firm foundation in uncertain times, in a pandemic, in cultural change, uh, uh, when, when life is a little crazy. God, God is our fir- firm foundation in these uncertain times, in, in our personal ups and downs of kids growing up, getting married, uh, um, uh, a loved one passing away, um, all, all the joys and, and sorrows of life, God, God is there. He is worthy. He is worthy of our trust. He is worthy of our trust when we don't know what's around the next corner. This Christmas season, uh, we do recognize here at New Hope, and we're trying to talk about this stuff because it's important, but like Christmas isn't always just fun and games. Like there's a lot of really hard stuff that goes with the holidays, whether it's family stuff or deaths in the family or money issues or seasonal depression or whatever. Like there's a lot of stuff going on in everybody's lives right now. And the thing is, if we're in Christ, we have joy in knowing who we are, that we are royal sons and daughters of the king, right? We know that. We can take joy and comfort in that. But there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know Jesus. There's a whole lot of people out there that don't have that comfort because they haven't recognized the truth. And so what we can do as sons and daughters of God is we can go out and we can be Jesus in those people's lives. We can go be joy to those people. We can go be whatever it is they need in their lives to help them out. And that's what we should be all about this Christmas season. And so uh, until next time, you guys have a good one, and we'll see you later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.